Welcome to the Kapow Radio Show. Today's date is Monday, October 10th, 2016. I just want to share something with you, a little short something that's kind of food to think about. Just chew on this for a while. We're back in Genesis. Like we've been saying in the last couple of shows, we've arrived at Genesis 1. So actually today, I want to go to Genesis 2, but it's close enough to Genesis 1. So let's go to Genesis 2. Here's what I want to share with you, and I want you just to contemplate this um, as long as you want. But just just think about what I'm about to say, because we are entering or we have entered. We have entered a time where it's vital to our spiritual preservation to take heed and to hold fast to those doctrines and to those truths that we've received in the past that we've got from the word of God. There are many, many, many folks that are going sideways. I'm not just talking big ministries. I'm not talking about the typical names, the typical apostasy. I'm talking about good brothers and sisters that have uh, been part of the underground, part of the podcasting world, part of the YouTube world ministries that have really helped people, deliverance ministries, teaching ministries, and something's wrong. Something's wrong with a, a lot of these folks. I see it. I see it on Facebook. I see it on the social media. I see it on YouTube. And um, they're they're not the same. They're they go the way of money, or they um, they go in the way of sensationalism, or they just get sidetracked. You know, I'm not judging their souls. I'm just telling you that they're not what they used to be. They're they're not taking heed. And I was saddened to see today um, a young man who really it's was quite a blessing to us in times past, quite a blessing to us. And um, I have a lot of respect for this young man and his, his gifting, his ability to pray and speak prophetically. And uh, he, he had some trouble a while back uh, with a female. And when I saw this female, when I saw um, who she was, I told this young man, that's a witch. If anybody knows, I know. If you want to listen to anybody, just will you listen to me? Because I've been there. I've been there. I've been with a witch. I went sideways, big, big time. I can recognize the witchcraft. I can recognize the language, the look, the the ornaments, the things that are posted, the things that, that are said. It's a witch. This young man had problems. Um, called for help. And uh, he was warned by many, many, many people. And uh, I personally, personally warned him. She's a witch. Stay away from her. And if you, if you go back, you'll, you're going to die. You'll, you'll get screwed up for good. But he went back and um he's he now married her so uh and and then i can i can well i can see a huge difference um well matter of fact he's disappeared 
but when I see things like this, it just, it, I mean, it kills me because this, this is all of us. I'm not sitting here talking to you going, it can't happen to me. It can happen to me. Now, what I want to explain, you don't just wake up one day and go, Hey, I'm going to go sideways. I'm going to reject God. I'm going to disobey his commandments. And I'm going to go the way of the occult and witchcraft and etc. It doesn't happen without you being warned repeatedly. God is a God of mercy and he's a God of grace. And he will warn you. He will send people your way. He will warn you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be grieved in your heart. He will warn you through the scriptures, through the doctrine, through the things that you hold fast that you learned in the beginning. He will convict you of, and you will say, oh, maybe this isn't right. But if you, folks, I'm telling you truth here. I'm not whitewashing it. I'm not here to be friends with you. I'm not here to get your money. I don't care about your votes. I don't care how many people hit the like button or even listen. I can care less. I really can. I can care less. I do this because I was told to do this by my Lord. He said, keep talking till I tell you to quit talking. That's why I talk. I get no pleasure out of some of the stuff I say. And this folks, this is the truth. If you keep rejecting the Holy Spirit that is convicting you of sin, you will be lost. There is no once saved, always saved. There is no cheap grace. That's a fallacy. That's a lie. That's another gospel. God wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you're living in untruth, how can you be worshiping him? How can you be worshiping him? To worship means to serve. Do you know that? The root word of worship is to serve another. You're to serve the Lord. Your life has been given to you by him. You've been renewed. The evil creature that's in you, that you were born in sin, you were born in demonic sin. Your sin nature is something you can't control. And God has given you the ability, the grace, the gift to become a new creature so that you can have eternal life someday. You can partake of that tree of life that your ancestors so long ago forfeited. It's not a light thing. It's not something to be mocked. It's not something to be taken frivolously. But many are. And when they ignore the Holy Spirit, when they ignore that urging inside, you're going to have a problem because you'll get calloused and then your heart will turn back to stone and you won't see the truth. You might still think you're worshiping a Cheez-Its you might still think that you're on the right path or that you're a Christian, it's all okay, but it's not. You've been warned. You don't just wake up one day and go, oh, I sinned, I'm going to die and go to hell. It's not like that. You get chastised. The scriptures say God chastises those whom he loves. It's like a son, chast- a father chastising a son in obedience so that he doesn't harm himself. 
there's a, there's a reason why you can't have the car keys, um, you know, when you're 13 years old to go drink with your buddies. A good parent would never let you do that. And if you got caught doing that, a good parent would chastise you for doing that. So you wouldn't do it again. Because it's for your benefit. He wants you to live. Choose ye this day who you're going to serve. Choose ye this day life or death. It's good or evil. It's black or white. There's no gray area. That's the truth. That is the truth. I don't care what anybody else says about cheap grace and about never getting plucked out of the hand of God, no matter what you do. The Holy Spirit can be grieved and the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. When you reject the spirit of righteousness in your life, the one who so graciously gave you that life, you become a son of Satan. I don't know. I see, I see others. I see ministries that were men that helped me immensely when I was coming up, when I was trying to learn this stuff, trying to learn how demons operate and how to get them out of my life and how to put them under submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, not through my works, but through my obedience and saying, Lord, I submit my character. I submit those things in me that are bad. I submit them to you so that you can get rid of it. You can reconcile that evil in me to the good and I could be a new creature in Christ. These ministries that I relied on so much, I see them today and I don't know what they're talking about. It's either all politics or um, they're raising money for this organization or raising money for this conference or it's just not the same. It's not the same, and I can't really tell you what happens, but it's a it's a it's it's a slow process, and I I'm confident that they've been warned. They've been warned. Genesis chapter two, verse eight says, "And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed." The word he put the man whom he had formed. This Hebrew word, we're going to go to Strong's Dictionary here. It's sum or siam. And it's used in a great variety of applications as to care or cast something, to commit something, to dispose of it, to give, impute, lay down, make. It's to put down. It's a common, it'd be the common usage of to place something, to set it, to make it, to put out, to, to lay it down, right? Common. And the Lord God planted the garden, and there he put the man. He just, he, that's all it says. That simple. Let's go down to verse 15. Same chapter. 
It says, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Here we have the word put again, um, but it's a different word. It's a different phrase. And put him is a different phrase. I will read what uh, my Strong's has here. My Strong has just for um, him, you know, or yeah, is a primitive root uh, to put him, uh, a primitive root to deposit by implication to allow to stay, to leave, to suffer, to place down, to let alone to pacify. Now, here's what I want you to notice. It's a different word than the other put. The first one was the simple application of placing something there. He put man in the garden. This says he put him there. And the word is to rest, to rest, to settle down and remain, to repose, have rest or be quiet. To cause to rest, give rest to make quiet. To cause rest, set down. To be granted rest. You see the difference? And the Lord God took the man and gave him rest in the garden. Gave him rest in the garden. Now, let's look at this a little little closer because... This is going to make sense. We lose this in our English translations. You got to you got to dig a little deeper into the grammatical, lexical analysis in the Word of God and get past our limitations of our of our language. And all our English versions have this. All our English versions miss the point on this because they're translated from the Septuagint, which is the Greek version. It's a translation of the Hebrew. You got to go back to the original language and and vet it out. So we noticed that God had already put man in the garden in verse eight. So here in 15, he returns to this point and recounts the purpose of God. I'm talking about the author of Genesis, the purpose for God's putting a man there. There's two important points in 15. Like I said, that are in danger of being obscured by our English translations. Now, the first is the change from verse 8 in the Hebrew word for put, where a common term for put is used. In verse 15, the writer then uses a term that he elsewhere has reserved for two special uses. uses. One, he uses the term for God's rest, or safety, which God gives to man in the land. You get it? This is rest or safety. It's a gift that God gives to us in the land. Examples of this could be found in Genesis 19.16, Deuteronomy 3.20, I'm not going to read those, but those are examples of God giving rest to man in the land. The second time this term is used that we translate put 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. The second way it's used is dedication of something in the presence of the Lord. And you can find this in Exodus 16.33 through 34, uh, Leviticus 16.23, Numbers 17.4, Deuteronomy 26.4 and 10. Both senses of the term appear to lie behind the author's use of the word in verse 15. Man was put into the garden where he could rest and be safe. Wow. And man was put into the garden in God's presence where he could have fellowship with God. And if we go to chapter 3, verse 8, we find that after the fall, God is looking for Adam and Eve, and he's in the garden walking, going, where are you? How come you hid yourself from me? Because they used to have fellowship. Fellowship. So get the picture here. Man is in safety. He's in rest. He's in the presence of God for fellowship. That's what the garden was. And that is where we should be heading. If, in fact, we've arrived at Genesis 1, then we should be heading back to the garden of peace, safety, and rest. But that's not the end of it, folks. Here's a second point from verse 15 that's often been overlooked in the English version translations. Is the specific purpose for God's putting man in the garden. All right. In most of our English version translations, man is put in the garden to work and take care of it. We've been taught that in Sunday school all our lives. Man is uh, to work it and take care of it. So you have a picture of Adam, you know, uh, making a shovel out of a stick or a hoe out of a stick. And he's picking, you know, and he's tending it. And he's tending the garden and counting the animals. And he's just, you know, running along, kind of stupid, just, you know, shuffling dirt around. That's what he does. And that's, that's not the case. That translation was as early as the Septuagint, which is a second century B.C., So there are serious objections to it. For one, the suffixed pronoun in the Hebrew text that's rendered, quote unquote, it in our English language, language is feminine. It is feminine. Whereas the noun garden, which the pronoun refers to in English, is a masculine noun in Hebrew. Mm. So how, how, how do we make that work? By changing the pronoun to a masculine singular, as the Septuagint has done. In other words, that is why we have the sense that the English versions give us, namely to work and to keep. Because the Greek translators, it didn't make sense to them, and so they made it work. That's why... You have to study yourself to be, show yourself to be approved. We're not required just to listen to other people or just listen 
to other teaching. Please don't, you know, I know you don't just listen to Kapow. You listen to other stuff. You have to dig this stuff out. The Holy Spirit reveals it to you. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness and you want his word, he will reveal it to you. It's good stuff. It's not stuff that you've been taught before. This is the real truth. This is the real stuff. This is the real meat of the word. So this whole bit about just tending and keeping a garden like, you know, I don't know, kind of a stupid animal is totally. uh, It's fabricated. Later, in the same narrative, we see in chapter 3, 23, verse 23, you know, after the fall, what was the curse to work the ground? That's, that's the punishment for the fall, to work the ground. So if that's a result of the fall, and the narrative suggests that the, the author of Genesis had intended such a punishment to be seen, as an ironic reversal of man's original purpose, right, in the garden. If such was the case, then working and keeping the garden would not provide a contrast to working the ground after the fall. He's doing the same thing when he's in the garden. He's working the land and keeping the garden. And then after the fall, hey, as a punishment, you got to work the ground. Well, I'm already doing that. Doesn't make much sense. In light of these objections, which cannot easily be overlooked, there's a more suitable translation of the Hebrew. The word would be la abda ul simra. And it would be to worship and to obey. Man is put in the garden to worship God and to obey him. Man's life in the garden was to be characterized by worship and obedience. Guess what Adam was and Eve was? They were priests. Not merely workers and keepers of the garden, but priests to serve the Lord. That's what worship means, to serve. Such a reading, such an understanding not only answers the objections raised against the traditional English translation, it also suits the larger ideas of the narrative. All throughout chapter 2, the writer of Genesis has consistently and consciously developed the idea of man's likeness to God along the same lines as the major themes of the Pentateuch as a whole, namely the theme of worship and Sabbath rest. You get it? If we are created in God's image, throughout the Pentateuch, you see the Sabbath rest and you see the worship of Yahweh. Man's created in his image to rest and to worship. We've already established that the word put in verse 15 is to make safe and give rest safety and rest in the garden and now we see it's not to dress it and keep it but to worship and obey and the lord god took the man and gave him peace rest and safety in the garden of eden so that he could worship 
and obey the Lord God. That's the difference. Can you see the difference? Can you see the rest we should be entered in? Can you see the peace and safety we should be having? And it's conditional. It's not just given to you because, oh, you're a, you're a human. The condition is to worship and obey. That's why in chapter 3, with the disobedience and the fall of mankind, what happened to their peace and safety? They were booted out of the garden. And they were kept from obtaining eternal life through the tree of life. And they no longer had peace. They no longer had rest. They no longer had safety because they weren't worshiping and obeying God. It's always the same. It's been the same since Genesis. And yet some goofy theologian, some somebody will come along somewhere and go, once saved, always saved. You don't need to worry about it. You're just under grace. It's You're under a new covenant. Blah, 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 blah. You know, homosexuals. God loves everybody. You can be a sodomite as long as your heart is right. Oh, I don't I don't know. I can't judge women who, who, who are Christian pole dancing. We shouldn't judge their heart. Oh, man. Rest and safety shall be taken from you. Peace and safety shall elude you because of your disobedience, because of your lack of worship of the creator God, peace and safety will elude you. You will beg to die. You will beg to die, but so afraid of death because you know it's eternal darkness. It never changed. God is immutable. His ways never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is Genesis. This is Genesis. A further confirmation of understanding obedience and worship to worship and obey is the fact that in verse 16, we read for the first time that God commanded the man whom he had created. Just as in the remainder of the Torah, enjoyment of God's good land is made contingent on keeping God's commandments. Deuteronomy thirty sixteen. There's a contingency there. It's a simple contingency. But we humans have failed to do this over and over again, even though we're warned and warned and warned. This young man I was talking about who, who married this witch, he has no peace. And worse, he has no safety. He's out of the protection. He's disobedient. Not a worshiper of God anymore. Ignoring the Holy Spirit. Peace and safety will elude him. The similarity between this condition for enjoyment of God's blessing and that laid down for Israel at Sinai and in Deuteronomy is clear. Indeed, 
one can hardly fail to hear these words of God to the first man, the words of Moses to Israel. Moses says to Israel, quote, see, I set before you today life and blessing, the good. That's right. And death and calamity, literally the evil, the good and the evil. For I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, you will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Wow. You get it? Do you get do you get that? And God put him into the garden. And um you go to Strong's, you look at the full definition in Strong's, and it means to rest, to settle down, to remain, to repose, to have rest and be quiet, to cause to give rest, give rest to make quiet, to cause to rest, cause to alight, set down, on and on. God gives the peace and God gives the rest. God gives the safety. And we're in the garden, not to dress it and keep it like a little gardener. That was part of the curse in, in, in chapter three. You shall till the ground, the sweat of your brow. We're in the garden as priests to worship and obey, to serve Yah. His laws and commands. I'm not talking about the 613 laws that the Jews strapped on their fellow man. I'm talking about the laws of God. The immutable, undeniable moral laws of Yahweh. That's what I'm talking about. To serve and to obey him. To serve and obey him. There is some grammatical infinitives that can be seen in the fact that the narrative returns to precisely these topics to serve and obey in uh, their summary conclusion of the state of the mankind after the fall. The man and the woman were created for worship. In chapter 2, verse 15, they were created for worship. But after the fall, they were thrown out of the garden to work the ground. To work the ground. In chapter 323. In the same way, they were created for obedience. But after the fall, they were kept from the tree of life. From the tree of life. And that's it. That really is it in a nutshell. God wants to give us peace. God wants to give us rest. He wants to make us safe. Don't you want to be safe from demonic attacks? Demonic influence? Safe from this world that's going, it's going down fast. 
You and I know that. You know that's going down fast. Want to be safe. And we're, we experience that safety and that rest in the worship and obedience to God as priests. We're a new nation, a priesthood through Christ Jesus. We need to live that way. But we need to take heed. I need to take heed. I need to realize that there are very dark, evil things reciting inside of my soulish nature that would love to come out and have dominion over my life. And in thus doing, cause me to live a life of rebelliousness, disobedience, and sin, and lack of servitude to my Creator God. And in order to deal with those things that were are within me, that I was born with those things. I have nasty, dark, evil things inside of me. I know I do because I feel them welling up often. And it's not by works that I deal with them. It's not, I don't go out and give money to charity and I don't help the Haiti Relief Fund. That doesn't do it. And I don't certainly do ritual. I can't go to a church and do ritual. I can't do a deliverance ritual. The only way that I can deal with this dark, evil nature that wants to derail me, that wants me to disobey and not worship my creator God, the only way I can deal with that dark person is to submit it to the Lord Jesus Christ crucify the flesh submit it to the lord jesus christ that is the only way you can overcome and those folks who are not saved who who are not reborn through the lord jesus christ are hopeless they cannot control that darkness within them they cannot control that dominion because they were born into this sin nobody's righteous no no one not one obedience worship and obey experience peace safety experience rest We've arrived at Genesis 1, and in that day, those who overcome, and God, I pray I'm one of the overcomers, because I know that you can slip into darkness and not listen to the prodding of the Holy Spirit. I know, because I've been there, and thank God there was enough people praying for me and I had a wife supporting me that listened that I had a wife that listened to God and not her flesh. Cause if she would have listened to her flesh, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be speaking here today. If she would have listened to her flesh, she would have divorced me at the drop of a hat. If she would have listened to her friends and, and my family, she would have divorced me. I deserve to be divorced. I deserve to be rejected. I was bad. But she listened to the Spirit of Christ instead. I don't know how she did that, but she did. And by the grace of God, I'm here today, and I've been, for the last 10 years, 
preaching this gospel over this show. Well, not for 10 years over this show, since 2011, end of 2011, this show. But before that, I was preaching the gospel still. And it was only by the grace of God that he taught me obedience and servitude and to submit. Now, it's been 10 years later, and guess what? I'm telling you, I am telling you today that I still have darkness in me. 10 years later, after my conversion, after my fired up man, I I met God, and now I see him. And he did something for my life and transformed me 10 years later. I am telling you, I have darkness in me. And it will never go away until the day that I'm released from this prison of flesh. And when I'm released from this prison of flesh that I've been placed into from the fall, from the garden, and I have overcome the world through the blood of the lamb, then he's going to say, partake of this tree of life and I will become immortal. Because God can trust me. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for you. Take heed. We all need to take heed. Search. Are we being convicted of something? And we're not listening. I thank you for listening. We wish you a good week. God bless. Chew on what I said. Really chew on it. Jesus be with you, his peace and his safety in the obedience and worship of our Father God. I've heard the wisdom from the wisely wise, heard the stories of men who have died in their glory, of their spiritual lives, heard the teachings of men who have lied. Christ and Him crucified for me about the sins that I did commit for which Jesus died on that tree.
that might come from Mars fancy speeches from those leaders of ours or the teachings of men who still lie but all I know is Jesus Christ and him crucified for me how he loved 